With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michael. I am here with Ricard Elmore. And today is Tuesday, April 4th, 2017. Hi, Ricard. Hi, how are you? <laughs> really well. You know what? I owe you an apology. I feel really bad. I sent you a text message late last night and an email, and I said we were meeting at 8, and it was for 8.30. So you called in at the right time. I apologize if I created any confusion for you. Oh, you know what was funny is that I didn't even notice. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> what I noticed is that you, you sent the email and and – and the, the time was already set in my mind that it was 8.30, so I never even noticed it. You wrote down 8. It was it was funny because when I, um, when I, um, you know, when I looked at, when you were, when it seemed as if you were late, I looked at my calendar and I went, oh, crap, I, you know, it's 8.30, not 8 o'clock. And what happened is last night I went to bed, and you know how when you go to bed, lay down and you go, you know, it's like there's a couple things in your mind, like, is there anything I didn't do today? And I went, oh, my gosh, I need to send Ricard a reminder for our meeting, you know. So I didn't even look at the calendar, and I just quick, at 11 o'clock last night, I had I had 8 o'clock on my mind rather than 8.30. But it's all good. You called in at the right time, and I'm here, and we're going we're gonna to move forward with your book. And um, today we're going to talk about your book outline. And when we wrapped up last time, I had um, said, think about sort of like the major topic areas that you want to cover in your book, right? You recall that? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So this is going to be kind of almost like a lightning round, you know, and I know that you're a very conversational, well, I'm learning that you're a very conversational person. And it's like if I ask you a question, you start with the answer, and then you have a tendency to want to kind of go deep, right? And Mm -hmm. for today, you know, what I'm going to be looking for is like those short, quick, like major ideas. And if I find you going deep for the beginning of our conversation, I'm going to cut you off and say, let's go to the next major idea. Let's go to the next one just so I can Mm -hmm. kind of get them down, and then we'll kind of go back and go deep. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, and and I'm going to be joining in and like, well, what do you think about this? Or, you know, should we have a chapter on that? So, you know, I'm not just here listening because I've I've been listening to you in our previous calls, and I'm starting to get some ideas about it, but you're still the expert by far. So, at any rate, so tell me some of the. What would you say is um, the first major idea you want to make sure is covered in your book? I mean, it doesn't have to be 
chronological order, but just what idea pops up in your head first? Mm, yeah, so no matter how far you think you're down, there's always a way to get up. Okay, always a way to get up. Good, excellent. All right, so what's another major idea you want to make sure is covered in your book? Mm. Failure is an opportunity. Failure is an opportunity. Wonderful. Good. Good. What else? You know, just based on something that you said right before I turned on the recording, how do you feel about something like the problem isn't the problem? Yeah. Right? Problem isn't the problem. Okay, good. What else? Transformation takes time. Yeah, it sure does. Transformation takes time. Okay, good. What else? Life's um, your perspective. Your perspective is the only one that matters. Your perspective is the only one that matters. Okay, good. What else? There's always more options. Are always more options. Okay, good. You want to talk about your story? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, you know, and and I I don't look at that as like okay, that's one chapter. I mean, I look at your story as something we're going to weave through the book. And mm-hmm. the most important thing is that you arise from it victorious, mm-hmm. you know, um, because that's that's what gives you your credibility. You know, it's one of the things that gives you your credibility, right? Yeah. So, I don't know, that was a really quiet repl- reply, maybe not much enthusiasm. What do you think? Uh, well, no, I'm just trying to do short-formed answers for you. <laughs> No, I I, I appreciate I was following, it. I was just following, following because I, I'd rather do short form than to get cut off. It's easier. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. How about something like how I got here? Yeah, I mean, you know, so, you know, what it was like, how it happened. You know, the frame of how it happened was, you know, I'm still trying to suss that out, you know, you know, how much of the childhood do we talk about? Do we bring in the separation? Do we bring in the abuse? Do we breathe, breathe it, bring in the religion? Do we bring in the belief systems? Um, you know, because I don't want to deny people's opportunities, but I also don't want to deny... Some of the things that I went through were those human beings as conflicts, not 
the setting it was in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So let me say let okay. me say let me say that let me say that different. So so when I went to Christian school when I was a kid, um I was also in a very abusive household at home with drugs and violence and and when I would go to school, I would bring some of those behaviors to school and then I would get in trouble at school and what would happen at school is when I got into trouble, they they would take you to the principal's office and then they would they would hit you with a wooden paddle that was purposely built for psychological um, abuse. What I mean by that I remember, was, I remember yeah, that it was, it, 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 yeah, it's a long black paddle that's painted and it has holes drilled inside of it for effect. And that today is psychological abuse. It's abusive today, right? But back then, not only was it right, but in the name of the Lord, it was correct. Were you? Right? Did you go to like a parochial or religious school of some kind? I, yeah, yeah. I went to a Christian school, but you know, I don't really want to. You, you know, I, I believe that you know God is a conduit to people's connections in, in the way that you want to value that terminology, right? So, you know, some people say, "Well, I don't believe in God." Great. Well, why don't we talk about hope in your heart and love? Oh, I can get along with that. Great. Because to me, God is love, right? There's no difference in my mind. But that's where I'm at sure. now, not where I was, right? So, and then, the, and, then, and then when you get deeper into the resolve is when you, when you, get, when you get in trouble and, and, get, and get beat at or spanked or whipped or paddled or whatever you want to use the term, when you get that at school, now you got to go home and get beat up again over getting in trouble at school. Right. And then so it's just a, it, it's just a, it's just this it's just this pattern or this cycle, right? And right. What if what if we did a chapter on childhood abuse? Yeah, and how confusing it was for the people that were trying to love me in, in the best way they could. Okay, confusing and. Uh, for people trying to love me. Okay. What, you know, I, what I did is I put that right underneath. I mean, and this isn't cast in stone yet. This is cast in jello, right? But I put that right underneath. The problem isn't the problem. I put childhood abuse, right? So what would be another, like, major component of the problem isn't the problem that's really worthy of a chapter. Mm. And by the way, I put hope in your heart as a chapter. Yeah. Well, you know, so when you, yeah, that sounds great. The, the, uh, the, um, So is the pro- I mean the problem isn't the problem is drugs and alcohol right? Right. What I'm saying is, and and you were saying this right before I turned on the recording, is that the drugs aren't the problem. 
you know, the drugs are masking the real, well, you didn't use the word masking, I'm using it, but, you know, what's the real problem is what came before the drugs came into play. Right. Right. And and this, so, this okay. is where, this is where it really is a family systems, um, well, you know, and this is where I get lost because at at the end of the day, you know, we're we're having such a drug problem in the United States right now, directly correlated right. and supported through the pharmaceutical industry, period. There's no doubt about it. There's not even a little bit of a doubt about it. Do you want to like do something the, the, about, um, I'll just call it like big pharma right now? Well, you, you know, the... the um, you know, the terminology that people use, you know, I'll get what these numbers are, but 20 years ago, the amount of information you would need to give a diagnosis would, let's say, be 200 pages. Now it's over 1,000 pages long. And there isn't a, a, a human being on the planet that's not covered in the spectrum disorder section of this, this book. It literally covers every human emotion. And they've now concluded you could start diagnosing and prescribing as young as two years old for spectrum disorder. Oh, my God. And all of the new students, all the new students that are in school are are now being taught how to diagnose at those ages. With the presentation, they're going to help them save their lives from default and defunct and conflict and all of these things thereafter, right? It's built into the educational system. On, you know, how Big Pharma contributes to all of this. Yeah. Okay, right? So how... Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, pharma. Well, well, yeah, and and we're going to use different language for that because it's really about, you know, how discon how disconnected society is from connecting to others. You know. Yeah. So I, if I like if if, if, if everybody, yeah, if everybody would just right now go into their cabinets and take out all the expired quote-unquote <laughs> medicines, mm-hmm. right now we would be overwhelmed with the toxicity that we live in inside of our homes. And and we are I, avoiding that truth. So, so um, Ricard, recently mm-hmm. I threw away a bottle of Aleve. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, the expiration date was seven years. <laughs> oh yeah, and you and you got some more. Uh, you got more something in there too. It's still there. It's not all gone yet. Well, actually, the only thing that I have in my cupboard right now is I have Tylenol, and it's mm-hmm. good for. The problem is, is like I'll buy it for something, and then I never take it again. You know how many how like many ba- how many bath how many bathrooms do you have? Two. Two, and. And in, in those bathrooms, under those sinks, there's there's nothing in there that is an old something that has to do with medical treatment that there's, that you may have forgotten of. 
hair products, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. There's uh-huh. Band-Aids. Uh, um, in the medicine cabinets, there's essential oil. Mm-hmm. You know, like thieves oil, yeah. or grapefruit oil, yeah, yeah, yeah. peppermint oil. Yeah. So yeah. what what we what um, we find is that is that almost every household that I connect with has so you know in the, the cleaner you get and the more that you're aware, the more that stuff just sort of starts because we're we we are also built to consume. So. The consumption right. isn't really just drugs and alcohol, right? It's really, that was the really feed-in for let's not forget the rest of the stuff that you have that you don't need. Right. I let's have not forget about you. Mm-hmm. I have an ace bandage because I sprained my ankle two years ago. I have like an well, ear syringe. Sometimes I have problems with my ears. And I do have cough medicine because Ernie and I had bronchitis just a couple months ago. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty unusual. I know I'm pretty unusual, you know. So Well, and all all the people that say, Well, that's not me, then wonderful. It's okay. Right. You know, it's like, so let me ask you that how about a chapter on the whole opioid thing? Well, so the thing is is that's just gonna be a frame of time before the next thing shows up. Right, because what happened about the opioid epidemic before the crack epidemic, right? And the opioid epidemic's just back again. It's just now pharmaceutical, because the pharmaceutical industry was just like all these drug dealers are taking our cash. Now, now is, the drug it, dealers just, are pre- are pressing pills, so they're like, screw you, we're going to make pills too, except for ours are going to be stronger. Huh. Well, what what I'm referring to, and you're the expert, not me, okay, but because I see it in the news all the time, is um, the, um, you know, like somebody's on a pain medication for something, mm-hmm. like let's say they injure their back or something, you know, and they get on pain medication, and they get addicted to that pain medication, and then well, sometimes well, how they about, can't... Yeah, yeah I got it. Well, how, how about this surprise... There's more people uh, dying from alcoholism than opioids right now, but nobody's nobody. Everybody forgot about that. Yeah, true. That's a, that's actually still ahead of the game. Okay. And everybody's that for, is forgotten. Okay. Yeah, every, everybody's forgotten about that. So I don't mind going into that, but the reality that I see that really, when you get into clinical context, you have to be just very aware of and is that at some point you need to either die or step up and make it happen. Right? Right. And they say, well, when the person is high, they can't think clearly. That's also true. But I'll tell you what happens to the guy that goes to jail who is detoxing from an opiate detox. You know what happens to him? He sits there and suffers because they don't give you medication. Right. And they're not and they're not going to so you defecate on yourself and everything hurts and people abuse you and take your food and take advantage of you because you're not strong enough to take care of yourself. Until you get strong enough to take care of yourself, and then you learn how to take care of yourself and then you're feeling better and then you, and then you're hoping you never go back and get high again, but when you get out you're left with the same resources and opportunities which led you to that same perspective, right? So, so many people are now 
you know, uh, um, scared of, of giving somebody that choice because I'm the first person to say, listen, let's not make them suffer in order to help them. But at some point, you need to really value whether or not you're helping or hurting them. Right. Um, and, and, let's, yeah. and so, so what I did is I, I put in the chapter heading, die or step up and make it happen. Mm. Is that okay? Yeah, it could be. Okay. Um, if we went back to childhood abuse, right, when I think of abuse, I think of like corporal punishment and emotional abuse, someone saying you're no good. Um, what about abandonment as childhood abuse? Yeah. Abandonment issues. Okay, good. What else are the big topics that you want to? We're, we're doing really good. We're making good headway on this. You're doing great. Okay. I hope I haven't interrupted you too much. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would say uh, letting go of the blame thrower. Letting go. I'm going to put that after transformation. And you're calling it the blame thrower, kind of like a flamethrower? Exactly. I really want that to be a title that is used and I – this this guy by the name of Brad Lamb with a L A M M came out and wrote a book on intervention and called it the invitational style intervention and coined that phrase and made that process his own development. And when he did that, we all sort of smiled because he's the one that said it out loud first, not not did that first. He didn't do that first. He said right. it out loud first, right? So right. now now right. now everybody thinks it's his thing and he gets to claim I I created this because he created that particular process that's in front of you but where that process derived from he did not create that's been going on for long periods of time before he was even born even before I was born so right Is the blame thrower just so I understand is the blame thrower the person who keeps putting you down and pushing you down and keeping the blame thrower the the blame thrower is me standing here explaining to you why everybody else is the reason why I'm where I'm at that, Got it. that all so of that all of all of that trauma is the reason why I can't get up all of those problems that were developed during my time is is the purpose in which I can't surpass in order to become successful it's it's the guy that says, I'm from a bad neighborhood. I was beat. I'm this ethnic group. I'm whatever you want it to be. The, the, just blaming everything and everybody as to why I'm not where I think I'd like to be. Okay. Okay. Good. You know, one of the things we talked about in a previous conversation was like, um, if I recall correctly, it was like, getting to the point where it's not just, and this is kind of like more towards the second half of the book, right? It's not just about getting over, getting off the drugs. It's about having a life that you can look forward to. Exactly. Right? That's a chapter. 
yes, uh, something to look forward to. You can look. Um, Ricard, do you consider yourself like a lot of people who, you know, have say been in AA for years and years and years? Okay, you know, they mm-hmm. they you know, some people will say I'm a recovering alcoholic, and some people will say I'm still an alcoholic. I mean, for yourself personally, what do you what do you do? You consider yourself a former drug addict, or how do you kind of see that for yourself? You know, my whole um, my whole um, sort of thought process on that has changed. And I really want to be mindful of the people that need terminology in order to, to give them that sort of support or belief. I don't want to start – I mean, I'm going to say all this to you, but I want, I, I really, it really matters to me that I not – you know, there's one thing of going through all that that I've got to to get to where I'm at, and then there's another thing of of could I have handled this truth at the stage I was at the beginning? I don't believe I could have handled it, and that doesn't mean people shouldn't be told. I just don't think I would was able to ha- would would have been able to handle it. So what I mean, by, so I'm, so that just goes on to um, me just explaining what I'm going to say now, which is the, in the beginning phases of my recovery, the only options were to be an alcoholic. And because the only programs outside of a treatment program that I was aware of until I learned of different programs were where the community support was only Alcoholics Anonymous. And in that modality, if you did not, um, if you did not um, accept that, you would basically be put into a position where people didn't accept you. So, and now, you know, what happened for me was, after that near-death overdose in 2005, I refused to go back to that model because it really wasn't working for me. I really hadn't figured that out. And I haven't been abstinence-based recovery since then, which now leads me to um, um, that was seven years, and now I'm at 12 years. So I'm five years past um, that that recovery model, which is the 12-step recovery model. I, I've had further, longer, more progressive recovery in the next stage of my development than I did when I just had a 12-step model. But if you looked at it contextually, I also went through that other stuff to lead me up here, right? So you can't deny its benefit. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you think that there's a chapter in there about how, you know, some models of of um, uh, getting over it, like, just don't work for everyone? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Absolutely. 
and the the and and I want to say out loud the the truth the you know I really want to you know the the thing is is a lot of this stuff I'm not in, I'm not interested in carrying I don't want to carry on my back you know if you do it like me you can make it because it's not true if you do it like me you're more I, likely to die because I I almost did a number of times I I barely came out I, of that stuff right. Right. So if you want to take that risk, go ahead. I, I wouldn't suggest you do it that way. I prefer, but we are now becoming more progressive as a society that it's also clear that there's other ways. Right. So so um, one of the things we've had, I think, a couple conversations about is the idea of, you know, you see all these commercials on TV that say, call this number now, and basically what you've told me is when people call those numbers, it's pretty much a clearinghouse where they figure out where they're going to send you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you want a chapter about that? Yeah, how much treatment is too much treatment? How much treatment is too much? Okay, good, good. You know what? We've got... But I think we can call that... I think we can call that one... And I need to just say this. So that one um, needs to be called why information information without application is no good. Why information without... Application is no good. Okay, so that is how much treatment is too much treatment. Because I, because I don't want to dictate, you know, a lot of people want to hear, oh, yeah, you don't need no more treatment. You just need to go work it out because families like to abandon their kids and blame them for having the problem, right? And then so I don't want to say how much treatment is too much treatment. Good. Good. We're moving forward. This is good. You're doing fabulous. I'm really like just happy, happy, happy. Okay. We are at 19 chapter headings. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Anything else that we've missed? Mm, so all of those were negative uh, things, right? In context, they they were all building up. So I'd like to get into, you know, more. I guess every chapter can lead into a positive frame, I suppose. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the, towards the end, and again, we can you know rearrange this, but towards the end, I put hope in your heart, which is kind of the idea of faith. Okay, mm-hmm. and then having a life you can look forward to. Um, there are always more options, you know. So are there other things that you want to, um, you know, like focus on the positive? Because I, I agree with you, you know. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that came out of, uh, of you know, the 
what to do once drugs and alcohol are not my primary concern. What, you know, what is my life outside of being a drug addict? What is my identity? Is my identity forever? I'm a drug addict. That's my primary focal point. Right. Who are you? I am a drug addict. Well, that's not true. If that's what you, if, if that is all, if that's all who you want to be, that's your choice. But I don't agree that you should choose that way. Okay. Because if all you are is a drug addict, society says you're no good. Not to deny that you've got a drug problem, but more to look at myself as a human being. Like I said yesterday is, you know, like Dr. Landis said, I wonder what it would be like to, to go from being a drug addict to, be, to being a human being. I thought, right. huh, wow, how about that? Do you think um, self-esteem belongs in there? Yeah, uh, that, that's around belief systems. And in, in, I'll use belief systems, maybe title some of that frame self-esteem, but it's really self-esteem is a, a part of you as a person, but it really stems from your belief system of believing in who you are or who you are not, right? I, I'm no good, or the other conflict is I'm better than. It's the same problem. Right. Right? And so if we language it through belief systems, you know, self-esteem problem doesn't, you know, most people say I have low self-esteem, but the guy that you're looking up to also has it because he's overcompensating instead of undercompensating. Okay. So that would be sort of like arrogance. Right, but we're going to we're going to change the language so so the guy that is has arrogance can't look at the guy with low self-esteem and look down on him because they're on the same level. Because the person that learns arrogance in that way really was taught that they're not good enough unless they're at that level, and they're really not naturally at that level of, their, of what they perceive they should be, so they have to act like it all the time. Right, right. And then, and then when you act like it all the time, you allure the people that are willing to accept that behavior, and their esteem is just as low as yours. It just looks different. So we're on the same level. It just looks different. Good. Good, good, good. All right. Good. So now what I'd like to do is, uh, um, do you feel like you're kind of complete in the major areas? I mean, I accept the fact that, you know, between now and whenever we meet again, you go, Oh my gosh, Denise, I forgot to tell you this, you know, and we add it in there, right? I mean, that's absolutely fine. But do you feel like yeah. you're kind of sort of with the major ideas? 
Yeah, I think so. I think what's going to happen is you're, we're going to come back to it is the reason why I have you is I've got so many things going on. I literally had no idea. I read what you wrote last night. I'm like, I have no idea what she's asking. I mean, I see the question. I know what you're saying, right? So it's not like I don't understand it. But I'm like, I have no idea what we're supposed to be talking about or how we're even supposed to get there. And my wife's like, well, you're the one that's got to decide. And I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I'm, I hear yeah, what you're okay. saying. She's like, well, just make it about your story. And I go, oh, okay. Because it keeps coming back. This theme keeps coming back to me. And my fear is, are my children going to read this and are they going to try to be like their dad? Let's, well, look at you, Dad. You did all of that. You made it, right, as an excuse. Well, look at all the horrible I, stuff you did. You worked out. Well, well, now you're telling me I can't learn that way too? That's really where my fear is, right? I'm sort of right. thinking about so, it in that way. Let me, let me share a thought with you, okay, because it is the most, you know, I get people all the time who want to write a book with a story. Because coping is and there are parts of the story that will help. All right, but the first thing is, is I want you positioned not as an expert, meaning you're on high or something, but as an expert, meaning you've been down this path, you know what it takes, you can help people, you can help people mm-hmm. who are reading this. Or, you know, whoever they want it to help, okay? So I want your story to be kind of woven through it somewhat, but I don't mm-hmm. want to just focus on your story, you know? And Got it. I would like to focus this book around treatment strategy. Okay. So can, okay. You, can you go to treatmentstrategy.com so you know what I'm saying? Okay, hang on here. Uh, let me put a note to myself, so I will do that later. Okay. And, 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 the, and, and not like we have to directly point at that, but every theme in the story is going to talk about really coming up with, with plans and strategies that really work for people, including not denying right. whatever they're doing is not working for them and not blaming them for what you're, you know, what I tell people, look, if we're working together and it's not working, we just agree to agree that this isn't the right modality. It doesn't say that we're not valuable. It doesn't say that we haven't had great connection. It doesn't say that what we did did not work. What we're saying is currently what we're doing not effectively helping you to your goal. And I can look at that as my participation not working. And it's okay with me. Because what happens so, with treatment so- providers is they don't like to be responsible if what they're doing is not working. They like to blame the person. Right. So right? one of the chapter headings that we have in here that that might fit into is, mm-hmm. I just called it just, you know, short shorthand, some models of getting it o- getting over it don't work for all. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's, that's, a perfect, that's a perfect one. Right. Do you want a... Um, chapter on treatment strategies? Sure. Okay. All right. Well, it it, 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 could, it could it could it could be yeah, and we'll just we'll just um, we'll send them because they can get the three stuff that we've got downloaded right. 
what's yeah. uh, what's the term of treatment? What are the resources? What are the qualified practitioners? How? Yeah, I can just go on and on about it, right? About that. I mean, when we get into that frame, like when you know, right. I can I can give you all kinds of examples too of people that'll call me and get on the phone and want to hurry up and send their loved one to me, and I say no. We're not okay. we're not there so, right now. Right. So one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to, and we're not done yet today, but I'm going to send mm-hmm. you, you know, the book outline such that I have it, and then we're going to talk about like, well, Denise, this kind of needs to move over here or whatever. Okay. But um, don't feel like we can't add to this. Don't feel like it's set in stone. It's more yeah. set than it was before we started talking. But if you feel like, oh, my gosh, it would be awful if I didn't include blah, 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 whatever it is. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go back through with the time we have remaining today. And I'm going to go through the um, the chapter headings that we talked about. And I'm going to ask for what... Um, major ideas, what, excuse me, let me repeat that. What minor ideas do you want to include under the major idea? Okay? So, for example, um, the first one that I put, you know, like chapter number one, I put um, is there's always a way to get up. Okay? What would be like the primary, maybe three or four things that you want to make sure that you include in a chapter about there's always a way to get up. Mm-hmm. What haven't you done yet, including all the things that you've already done? What's that? What haven't you done yet, including all the things that you've already done? Great. Excellent. Okay. Because people say I say, people say I've I've done everything. Okay, well, t- tell me what everything is. Right. Okay, got it. And what else do you want to make sure that you cover? Under there's always a way to get out. Do you have perhaps like a story of someone that you want to share as an example in that chapter? Um, sure. Okay. So do you have, like, a want to use, I mean, we can use, like, you know, change names and stuff like that if it's stories of friends. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 you know, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk about the guy that um, got taken out of school when he was fourth grade, in, in fourth grade because his attention deficit disorder was real, that his diagnosis was true, and it wasn't one that you take, they had to medicate him so bad that he got thrown out of all schools, that he was put wow. in, in, and they would take him, to get to school, they would uh, pick him up in a van, and the van would take him an hour and a half just to get to school, because he got kicked out of the school district, and then the van wow. driver he ended up being a heroin addict and he uh, burnt the van driver so he couldn't go back to school and the van driver 
was looking for him with his buddies trying to kill him for stealing his money instead of going and getting his heroin. You know, he got out of the car, out of the van on the way back from school and went through the apartments and went out the other side with his money and just didn't, never went back to school. And this guy and is, was taught. Is this the he one was, that you worked with? Yeah, somebody that somebody that I know that we've worked with, you know, we've helped each other over the years. But I, I, wow. I was the guy that, that he looked up to that that drove him to start this process. Wow. Is he he's he's the same guy that had he not come into that house that day, I would be dead right now. Right. Right. Wow. But but, but because that's... you're taught you you're taught when you're incredibly intelligent in particular areas, in other areas your focus really isn't driven towards. Right? You're taught that you're dumb. You're taught that you have a problem. And I know my brother's that, got Yeah, that's but but that's the, the the system taught them that. It's it's and there's not a lot of people that know how to say what I'm saying the way I'm saying it, right? Because I'm talking right. about the person that has true ADD, not the person that has low energy that really doesn't isn't driven to do schoolwork that really just has a hard time doing it all the time, so they go get an ADD medication so they can get energy, and now all of a sudden they're stimulated to do things. I'm not talking about that person. I'm not talking about the person that manipulates themselves into having a problem so they can take a medication that would stimulate them. I'm talking about the person that without control, their body doesn't stop moving. Without control, they can only sleep five or six hours a night. Without control, unless they stay totally busy physical activity every single day, their their mind is built that way. I'm talking about that person, right? I'm talking about those are most of the leaders of our world, excuse me, in case nobody I'm, noticed. I'm putting, I'm putting up the T, the timeout symbol, just, you know. Um, what else do you want to cover in the there's always a way to get up? What is the, what other like major points do you want to make sure that we make in that chapter? Mm. Say it again. What other major ideas do you want to make sure are covered in the chapter on there's always a way to get up? Um, what other things? Uh, well, what, what, right now, what are we covering? Well, I just have what haven't you done yet, and then I have the story about the guy who was taken out of school in fourth grade with true ADD. That's all I wrote down for that. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I'll expand on it more later, and then something like, you know, being open to the idea there might be something out there for them. So let's look at it from the other way. So this is this is the exact okay, great. So I'm glad that you said that back. So, For your brilliance and regard. <laughs> yeah. So 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 it it it's the kid whose whose parents are working so hard to provide them opportunity that they're not there. And it's the and, and it's that kid's need to be around their family members and to really be involved in their life that they're seeking. And they're never good enough to be available for their family's time. 
And then they grow up seeking out relationships that would cause them to feel connected. And those relationships are the other disconnected people. And then they're told, you have so much, you've got everything you've ever wanted. Look how hard I worked for you to get this. And look at you. What's wrong with you? I didn't raise you like this. We taught you better. Because we're having the same problem at, at the hierarchy of financial society as we are at the, at, at, at the low of our indigent society. It's the same conflict, this connection. The people that have much more resources, when you're a kid, it becomes more confusing because what you're taught is that's more important than your love, is whether or not you can get this deal done. Right. Okay. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So the next one I have here is failure is an opportunity. All right. So what would you say are the major ideas you want to make sure get covered under the chapter heading failure is an opportunity? Failure is an option or failure is a choice, or failure is an opportunity. So let me look at something real quick. Let me get into this. Still with me, Ricard? I'm, so I'm not sure that language is what we're going to use, but in that same context. So uh, failure, by definition, means unsuccessful. And anybody that is successful only gets there through not being successful. And it's because they've taken the opportunity to have that experience and see exactly how they've gotten themselves into that experience or how they could not repeat that experience. When you're in that instance and you grow out of it, the opportunity is that you've had the experience so you don't need to repeat it again, right? Because most people go back into these quote-unquote failures, but not as deep as they were the first time. They don't fall as hard as they did the first time, right? And that failure go, is the same context of when you're a successful human being, quote, unquote, and, and, and you have a drug problem, let's say, and you're so successful that you can't go get the right treatment so you don't have to fail, which is causing you to fail. But you want to deny right, it. Right, right. Right? Because, because a successful, a truly successful person will be able to acknowledge when they're out of sequence of moving forward. Right? It's the delusion that you're successful that gets into your way of success. It's that grandiosity that shows up that says, you know, unfortunately we have a society 
and we've just proven it just during this campaign that's happening. I don't want to get into political stuff, but we've just proven that all you have to do is have a lot of resources and believe in yourself, and you can do anything. Right. Right? Yes. But I think for, further, if you the resources are not always connected to cash money that people think. Your resources are the people around you that believe in you. Your resources are the environments that you surround yourself with. Your resources are your teachers that you seek out. Your resources are your mentors that you choose to engage with. And all of those things can be on either end of the spectrum, whether your, 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 your mentors, your teachers, your environment are supporting you to stay, you know, it's just sort of like, uh, the, you know, when you get into particular populations of people, like right now, there's this big thing about immigration, where if you get deep into the, some of these people, they're so willing to just be a great worker, that's all they really want to be is a great worker. Where we're in a society that everybody should be an entrepreneur, all the workers are going away, and there's no one to take care of the country, because everybody's an entrepreneur. Right. Right? Because right. I, I don't know so, very many people that yeah. want to work for $11 an hour. Right. So I um, am reminded of a story of a guy when I was working with Robert Allen. I remember having a couple sort of coaching calls with this guy. And he lived in Atlanta, and he had a business cleaning floors in business in businesses, you know. And, like, I mean, he had a contract to clean the floors for 150 Walmart stores in the southeast. Just, you know, that was just, like, one customer, you know. I mean, his income was, like, half a million a year. And what he really, really, really wanted to do was, like, help people and be a motivational speaker and an author and all these good things, right? But And, and he said, Denise, he goes, I hate my business. But he said, it's like I'm a slave. It's like I'm in prison. Because once you're at a point where you're doing so well financially, it's like it's a lot harder to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to acknowledge that your life isn't working. Mm. It's true. This is the bigger This is the bigger, bigger problem with, with people, you know, they... You know, just working with this kid recently, and he said, you know, around 13, my dad had a really big bump in work, and around 18, it just blew our mind what we went to. I went from living, you know, you know, middle class to being upper class, but on the lower end, and now all of a sudden, I had to change my lifestyle of how I thought, I believed, I acted, how my family worked when I was 13. And it was such a struggle. And then when, when I turned 18 and it, it even got bigger, I had to adjust and be a part of a population of people that have generations of, of resources. And we just started. How heavy is that? Right. 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 Because, they're, because the whole family's oh. trying to figure out how to be a family. And we just hit the lotto, let's call it. And nobody knows how to stay connected. Because now this lotto causes us exactly what you just said. The deal is so right. big, you can't let it go. 
right? Even right. if it means right. ab- abandoning the people that you love. And it's not that you don't love them. It's your fear is in your way. Because that's what it is. It's your fear. And you're delusioned right. that it's fear. Should we do a chapter on fear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? This this is how it works, right? Okay. Let's see. I'm going to put it towards the beginning of the book. Yeah, we, we're going to call it... Uh, Yeah, the, 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 the terminology is forget everything and run. And then when you're not as progressed, you say something different like, you know, F everything and run. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we'll call it E-fear. E-fear? Yep, and then we'll we'll explain it. E-F, everything and run. Got it. Got it. E-F. Got it. Okay. Good. Good, good. You like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see if it, it fits, but right. sounds like we're doing good. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. All right. So uh, let's do one more. We're a little bit over time. Do you have maybe another five minutes? Yeah, I got it. Okay, good. So, and because I know this is one that you can, you know, definitely talk about, okay? So um, this one is the problem isn't the problem. Mm-hmm. Right? So what are, yep. what would you say are like the three or four major ideas you want to cover underneath the concept of the problem isn't the problem. Right. So is the problem that you're in jail because you stole a candy bar, is that what your real problem is? Or is that the consequence of what you're suffering from? Or... Here, I, this, I need to just tell you this story and so we can feed out of it what works. So, so normally, normally the, um, at, at, at second grade is when you get assessed for being, um, uh, have higher intelligence, gifted, right? So, so the kid gets tested in kindergarten because he's already reading at a second, third grade level. He's only in kindergarten. And the family's so excited that they've got this gifted kid, they start figuring out where we can get him to go to gifted schools at. And then they're moving him all over the country to figure it out. Now he's starting to have behavioral problems. Now they're taking him to different practitioners all over the country. It's getting worse. And then they send him to boarding school or, 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 or not boarding school, but what do you call those places uh, um, when you put them out in nature? Um, one of these uh anyway so they do that and now now the guy is is not able to go to school he's got too many conclusions of not being able to handle it he's overwhelmed family's disconnected and 
he's now going into mental institution after mental, mental institution, and now he's getting tied up and injected with medications that cause him to not be psychotic but also cause him to see himself inside of a box that he can't get out of, and every time he tries to explain it, they inject him more. And so when you're looking at that as a system, what's the problem? Where does it start? And now the insurance company tells the mom on the phone, we think he's got a substance use problem and that you should focus there. And the mom's fighting with them. So they find me and I do an evaluation and assessment of their situation. Not a clinical evaluation, but a structural evaluation of how to plan and strategize what to do next. And what we found is their insurance carrier does not pay for mental health treatment, but they do have substance use disorder benefits. So you have to act like you have a substance use disorder benefits. This is structured from the insurance company over the phone. They're not going to tell it to you like this, but they're going to tell you, we think he has a substance use disorder, like wink, wink, right? Because they know that's the right. only way you're – and this family has already spent all of their resources, right? And so when you say the problem is not the problem, you know, that's from a psychiatric standpoint, right? But right. when, you're, when, you're, when you're dealing with the, with, with the drug problem, what you find is, you know, what is it about this girl that went to college that has that bottle of alcohol under her bed, and when she gets out of school, she downs it? And now, not only does she have an alcoholic problem, she has an eating disorder problem. What is it about the system that says we need to overload you? The number one suicide rate in the United States is doctorate students that are in between their education and their internship. So that means you've already completed your schoolwork, but now you have to go be an intern to validate your schoolwork works right? And we'll get this right terminology. The number one suicide rate in the United States is that males in that space. Because the pressure of the system to push on you, to ask you to perform past human capacity, either breaks you or makes you. And the people that are broken are thrown away. They're no good anymore. So if we're, if, if we're treating people like that, at a couple hundred thousand, they're paying a couple hundred thousand dollars to be treated that way. What do you think is happening to the people that really aren't so good at education? How are they supposed to have value? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I knew that one was like, that one's like a piece of cake for you, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. okay. All right, good. Good. Okay, so how do you feel about this today? Yeah, it feels great. Feels great? Okay, good. I'm glad. Yep. And I didn't cut you off too many times? <laughs> nope, I was I was listening. You you set those rules in the beginning, so you know, and you weren't you weren't even used to it, huh? You're like, uh, are you going to talk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's always like at the beginning of the book and then after that, mm-hmm. You know, once you get the book outline done, 
then I'm like, I'm encouraging you to talk, and I'm encouraging yeah, the, you yeah, to yeah, yeah. more. No, I got it. I got so, it. It's fine. And, and we're figuring it out, too. It's to pull more out rather than to put on the reins, you know. So. Right. So here's the thing This book outline, I'm going to do a spell check first because I got a couple squiggly yellow lines at the bottom of a few things, but mostly it's okay. So I'm going to send you this, and I want you to look over it, and then when we – you know, I mean, if you want to send me an email between now and when we meet again, that's okay. If not, that's okay, too. We can talk about it when we meet next. But what we'll do in our next meeting is if you come up with more chapters that we haven't included yet, we're going to add them in. And then mm -hmm. the other thing is, is we're going to expand upon, like we started doing towards the end of our conversation, we're going to expand upon more of these chapters. And you'll see how that looks in the outline. Okay? Mm -hmm. Yep. So how does it sound to you? That sounds wonderful. Good. Good. I'm glad. All right. So let's schedule our next time to get together. Uh, pull up my calendar here. Okay. Um, how is... Well, two weeks would be the 18th, okay? Yeah, so... Um, that's, not, that's not, it doesn't have to be every two weeks. Is that not a good day for you? Yeah, that, that date doesn't, is, doesn't work. We can do one day before or one day after. Okay, cool. So let's go one day before, okay, the 17th, all right? Um, as of right now, I don't have anything on my calendar, so you tell me what time works. Let's just do the same time. 8.30? Yep, so on April... Uh, Here, hang on. Oh, wait a minute, I just changed the, changed Monday, the wrong thing. Yeah, Monday, April 17th at 8.30. 8.30 a.m. Okay. Uh, yeah, just hold on a second. Sure that works or not? Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm trying to set the schedule. Something's happening that's not working for some reason. I don't know why. But oh, as far as like you have a, uh, like an online calendar kind of thing? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to change it now. Okay, there we go. We're good. All right, I got it. It's him? Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. So what did you learn today? Say it again. And I said, so what did you learn today? Oh, uh, you know, I learned a, a process of communication that really is helpful for to me is, is that you're really clearly communicating what you need, and I am able to hear that and be a part of that commitment instead of having a negative emotional response to it. And I really I am acknowledging that because I didn't always have that 
capacity. Well, I didn't always know how to actually do that. Right. And so when when it right. happens and it's in front of me, I like to acknowledge it because all too often do we only acknowledge things that are perceived as negative, right? The, the, yeah. Those focal right. points are really what people generally – and I like to remind myself into the universe when I can see those things like, wow, you're able to say that and I didn't have this emotional response. Because one thing that we hadn't talked about is, is – it used to be when people said something that I really didn't agree with, my whole body would get hot and I would start getting into a really intense space of anger. And then how oh, wow. I acted out on that would change. Uh, when I was really young, I would get so out of control that my vision would go red and I couldn't see anything and not remember exactly what I did. Wow. And most of that, wow. most of that was promoted by having some kind of an experience in a psychiatrist saying, giving me the information. So uh-huh. is it kind of like your, your vision goes blurry or you see red? Yeah, that's exactly what happens is what I said. I hadn't had the experience wow. until they told me what my experience could be. I actually didn't know it. And then I took that and used that as a forum to take myself to those places when I, was, when I would get into those angry places. You know, at the beginning of our at the beginning of our conversation, I said, "Gee, you're doing really good with these short thoughts." And you said, "Yeah, I don't want to get cut off." And I felt really bad, you know, like I don't want to cut them off either. But you know, so no, but that's anyway, the, but but the good that. thing is that you clearly <laughs> define that, and the reality of it is is that I need to be cut off, otherwise we're not going to get this done. Because I'll just keep talking right. about stuff all day long, right? So. So to me, it was perfect because we got that out of the way at the beginning. I mean, I'm hiring you to help me out. So if I'm in debate with you, what's my problem? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the way I can All see right. it now, right? Versus, versus exactly. other people, well, I'm the one that's hiring you. You should listen to me. It's like, what? That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I think, I think when people talk about what they're passionate about, you know, which is what I do all the time when I'm helping people with their books. It's like it's really easy, you know, and, and not just you, like everybody, to just want to naturally go on and on and on because they're passionate mm-hmm. about it, you know. So, mm-hmm. anyway. All right, cool. So we are scheduled for Monday, April the 17th at 8.30 a.m. And I will send you... Um, what we have so far of the book outline, which I think you're going to look at it and you're going to go, wow, we did all that. And uh, mm-hmm. Okay? Awesome. Sounds great. All right. You take care. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And I'll talk to you Monday the 17th. Wonderful. I'll talk to you then. Thanks so much. Okie dokie. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.